the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now the previously recorded program of Contending for the Faith. It's time for Contending for the Faith. Tonight, Dr. Beckner's special guests on the phone, Bob and Gretchen Passantino, talking about Halloween and everything associated with that. We're going to say good evening to Sean Hayes. And tonight for Gary Bell, good evening, Sean. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Contending for the Faith, a one-hour live talk show with your hosts, Bayer pastor, counselor, lecturer, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Sean Hayes. Have you ever heard that Halloween is the most dangerous day of the year when Satanists and witches snatch children off the streets and sacrifice them in Satan's name? Is Halloween nothing but a secular time of fun and games, an excuse for the kids to dress up and overload on sugar? Should we as Christians fear Halloween, or should we take it as an innocent holiday that's harmless? For, to answer to these questions and much more, stay tuned, because we are not pretending, but we are contending for the faith. Good evening, Dr. Buckner. Good evening, Sean, and <clears throat> excuse me, and I want to welcome everyone to another uh, edition of Contending for the Faith. I am your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be uh, blessed by our program tonight. And I want to say to all of those who are listening that uh, we know that this program tonight is going to be a challenge to you, but also a blessing. And Sean, you've asked some very important questions, and and we need to prepare our hearts for this uh, program tonight around those questions and those concerns. We have a very exciting program tonight. Our guests are no uh, strangers to contending for the faith. We have joining us tonight by phone is Bob and Gretchen Passantino. They have spent uh, 22 years in apologetics, uh, evangelism, and discipleship, and they are directors of Answers in Action. Bob and Gretchen Passantino are a tank of wisdom and knowledge when it comes to dealing with uh, not only the cults, but the occult as well. Tonight we're going to be discussing uh, the topic of uh, Halloween, and we want to open up our hearts right now to give a big welcome to Bob and Gretchen Passantino. How are you doing this evening? It's always a pleasure to be on the show with you, Pastor Jerry. Well, it's always a blessing to have you on the program. We always look forward to it. And uh, we're trusting that God is going to bless tonight in a mighty way, as he always does. Uh, let me say this, uh, starting off, uh, before I get into some questions with you, that uh, tomorrow, uh, as you know, Halloween will be here, and uh, hundreds and thousands of children will uh, put on costumes and go door-to-door, yelling trick-or-treat, and many of these children will dress up as ghosts and goblins and skeletons as, and uh, also visit haunted houses. And uh, we just want to uh, probe some of this with you, and uh, maybe just start off by... Uh, having you to address the origins of uh, Halloween for those who may not know anything about the history and how it all came about. Okay, Gretchen, want to... Sure. The word Halloween itself is a contraction of the term holy evening. 
and it refers to the beginning of All Saints' Days. The Christian Church, like its predecessor, the Jewish uh, uh, people, decides or determines a holiday from sundown to sundown rather than from sunup to sunup. So that's why Christmas Eve is so important to us as Christians. And in Eastern Orthodoxy, the evening before Easter is, very, is a very important celebration. So All Saints' Day in the early church was celebrated beginning on the evening of one day, at sundown on one day, and finishing up at sundown of the following day. Now, All Saints' Day was a day in the church when we would take some special time aside to think about those Christians who have lived in previous times who were especially good role models of the faith. Even in the New Testament itself, we have a good example of this in Hebrews chapter 11, where the writer of Hebrews lists a number of people from the Old Testament, people of faith, who were our role models and who were exemplary in their devotion and their love of the Lord. So that's what All Saints Day was. And um, in the early church, as the church began to grow and to spread through northern Europe, Scandinavia, and the British Isles, they encountered a lot of non-Christian folk religions that were afraid of death and were afraid of the judgment of the gods and goddesses and were afraid that their loved ones who had died would haunt them if they were not properly prepared to enter the afterlife. And so when the Christians came in with the gospel, the good news of the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ, this was welcome news to those pagans. They no longer had to fear death. Instead, they could look forward to resurrection. And so as Christianity spread in those parts of Northern Europe and the British Isles and Scandinavia, All Saints Day was determined to be celebrated at the same time period that these pagan religions had had their festivals of death, which is the time about of the autumn equinox, or right around what we have now for Halloween. So while they celebrated holidays in fear of death, Christianity brought in a celebration of triumph over death through Jesus Christ, and that even those saints who have lived in previous times far from haunting us, instead, they are good role models of Christian faith for us. Very interesting history, and uh, maybe, uh, Bob, you'd like to add anything to that? Well, I think it's really important that what the Christian Church was trying to do was take back the day for the Lord to use as a witness, uh, you know, in a sense, to show forth good Christian testimony of people who uh, lived an, an honorable life for the Lord and were martyrs and things like that, that you'd honor them, not that you worship them, but you'd honor Christians that were good testimony, uh, like in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a million-dollar question here that uh, people oftentimes will ask uh, Christians and Christian leaders, and uh, in your opinion, uh, based upon Scripture, should uh, Christians allow their children to go trick or treating or not? That's a very, that's a very, actually, it's a very complex question because it depends on, on the circumstances and what people feel about how this plays into their community and, and their uh, own social Involvement. Let me give you an example, Pastor Jerry. Okay. We, we have at our home tonight in Southern California our little godchildren. They're six years old and three years old, Jonathan and Ashley. And in their Christian family, they celebrate All Saints Day and Reformation Day because Martin Luther, when, when he began the Reformation, he began it on All Saints Day because he wanted his stand for the truth of God's Word to be a testimony just as the people of faith were of previous generations. And so they have a great celebration of Reformation Day and All Saints Day. 
And when I was talking to Jonathan and telling him that he's going to have to be very quiet for an hour because we were going to be on the radio. You have my sympathy on that. <laughs> he, he wanted to know what we were talking about, and I told him we were going to talk about Halloween. And he said, well, I know a lot about Halloween, and I would like to talk on the radio. <laughs> and I said, well, what would you like to say, Jonathan? And he said, well, I, what I would like to say is a lot of people make up things that are supposed to be scary and bad about death. But they don't know the real truth, because the real truth is, if you love Jesus, you get a resurrected body, and death isn't something that's sad, it's something that you're happy about. So they're all mixed up, and I, uh, we're the ones that have fun with Reformation Day and All Saints Day, because we know the truth. That's so true. Very interesting, very interesting. Well, we got to maybe one of these days set up an interview for that person. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you get a lot of uh, wisdom and knowledge coming from children and challenges as well. Now, um, when it comes to Halloween and, and the controversy around it, um, a lot of people say uh, that uh, Halloween is something that uh, is is rooted specifically in paganism, and uh, maybe you can kind of like uh, respond to that, because uh, they say, you know, you should have nothing to do with Halloween at all and nothing related to it, because they said it's just all paganism. What would you say to the person who responds to you that way? I would say, we, we first of all, we be very careful about uh, going at the youth of what something is and how it is practiced today in, in our own you know, 20th century America. For instance, the days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday is Wooden Day. Monday is Moon's Day or Luna Day. In other words, named after pagan gods and goddesses. But we don't say, well, throughout the days of the week because these names came from Thor's Day. No, uh, Thursday. <laughs> these names came from pagan or Norse gods and so forth because those, those um, ideas are no longer associated with the days of the week in its real sense. Now, there are those who do associate uh, some of these things with the pagan holidays, but there are many people who don't know anything about it, who dress up as baseball players or, you know, or some other, uh, you know, uh, non-occultic um, non uh, you know, practice. So those people have no idea about it. Then we come along, then we tell them all the pagan roots of it, and they never knew it to begin with. Now, there are those who believe and understand the pagan roots. There are those who don't, and there are those who uh, just do it as a fun time that happened in the 20th century kind of idea. So it depends on, on, on the individual. In that okay, and, and we need to remember that Halloween, again, it comes as, as a contraction of the holy evening. Halloween actually literally refers to All Saints Day. And All Saints Day was established by the Christian Church as a Christian celebration in direct opposition to the pagan celebrations. So celebrating in that sense is actually a very good thing to do. It's not bad at all. Mm -hmm. There, as Bob said, there are a few people we would call them neo-pagans, witches, or Wiccans today, who practice their own kind of versions of ancient non-Christian folk religions, and they see the time of the end of the harvest and the shortening of the days as a time for celebrating and remembering uh, death and their loved ones who have died. But they don't really have the truth of the gospel, and we should be willing to share the gospel with them. You don't have to participate in a neo-pagan or witch ritual at this time of year, but you can share the gospel with somebody who is a neo-pagan or a practicing witch. Most neo-pagans or witches are pantheists. That is, they believe that everything is God and God is everything. They're nature worshipers. We need to show them that the God who made the heavens and the earth is a God who loves them so much that he sent his son to die for them. 
Um, but the majority of people who celebrate Halloween don't understand All Saints Day, never heard of Reformation Day, and really don't know anything about paganism either. For them, this is merely an opportunity to have a party, get dressed up, and have some fun. We shouldn't condemn them as being somehow in league with the devil for doing that, but we should use this as an opportunity to be able to share the gospel in a positive, persuasive way, and we can be very creative about it. On, um, on our street where we live here in Southern California, there are a number of Christian families who take pumpkins and carve them out, but instead of carving scary, hideous, grotesque faces on them, they carve crosses and set candles in them. So as you drive down our street at night, uh, close to Halloween time, you see Christ, the light of the world, shining from the front steps of a number of the houses on our street. We'll be back with more Contending for the Faith after these messages. And now we return to a previously recorded program of Contending for the Faith. The one thing I like about uh, the two of you in interviewing you is that you give real balance to this because, you know, the Bible teaches us that we are to be the light of the world, the salt of the world, and and uh, if we remove ourselves from being an influence in the world, then the world is going to be doomed to hell. And so uh, now on the flip side of this, dealing with someone who is um, maybe planning on involving themselves into dressing up like Jason, dressing up like a ghost, dressing up like a werewolf and all this other stuff. And someone would say, now, you know, a lot of Christians and non-Christian would or may be listening to this program. They may be saying, well, so what? That meant uh, what meant uh, in the past as far as uh, the way these people dress and the meaning of it meant that back in the past but today you know it's a whole different ball game and so we can just dress up any way we want to even as uh ghosts and creatures and jason and all this other stuff what would you say to a person who has this type of mentality well you know um uh bob had a friend one time when he was working at a secular company who used to cuss all the time he had seven or eight uh, swear words that he was especially fond of, and all of his speech was constantly peppered by those words. One time he saw Bob walking in the room, and he said, Oh, no, I can't talk this way because Bible Bob is here. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, Well, you know, it's not what comes out of a man's mouth that defiles him. Uh, that's not what goes in. It's, what, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It comes out of his mouth. I said, Out of your mouth, speak it what you really are in your heart a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I said, That's your problem is that you speak you know, what you are, and it's, these words you use are really don't give you any uh, indication of how, how intelligent you might be or whatever. So if you wanted to show yourself, he was going to college at the time, but if you wanted to show yourself that you said I wanted to improve yourself, then you shouldn't use those bad words. So likewise, people who want to dress as Jason and all these things, what are they showing about themselves? What are they telling us about what they like or what they're doing? In other words, they're telling us something about what kind of an image or what kind of a role model are they being? Why is it? that they are fascinated with death and, and gore. Why is it that they look up to or want to imitate someone who hurts other people, who kills other people? Now, now a Christian might want to use that day as Reformation Day or All Saints Day and dress up as, um, let's say, uh, uh, the Apostle John or, or, or Paul or, or Tertullian or Justin, some early church father in the early, you know, early Christian church who, um, um, who was a Christian martyr. Uh, in fact, Bob and I one time went to a seminary party 
on Halloween night. It was a Reformation party, and we all had to come dressed as a different character from church history. And one of the games in the party was that you couldn't tell anybody who your character was, mm -hmm. but you had to talk as though you were that character. And then, um, you know, the other people at the party would try to guess which character from church history you were. Another example, uh, a woman was going to keep her son home from his public school Halloween party because she thought it was an inappropriate mingling of the occult with her Christian faith. And then her son said, wait, Mom, why can't I go dressed as a Bible character? <laughs> so he went dressed as the Apostle Paul, and he got to stand on the stage of his public school and explain to all the students and all the teachers why the Apostle Paul was his favorite character and what he stood for and what he gave his life for. Mm -hmm. Now, it's possible, you know, to dress as a negative character, but talk about why he's negative, you know, but I don't think people do that. And there are some, there are some people on this day, on Halloween Day, who do things and have an excuse to be evil. Mm -hmm. And they make that their day to be evil, uh, so they can do it. But there are all, usually these same people uh, have other days they do things bad on, too. <laughs> but they just, you know, this is their day they can... Um, have their excuse to, to do what they usually like to do anyway. Mm -hmm. Very good response. Uh, let's look at uh, some more principles around what Christians can do on Halloween as far as uh, responding to those who are out, uh, uh, not uh, living according to the God, God's Word, but uh, living in the world of darkness. And so what you, what can churches do and uh, on this night, you know, and what can families do? Because people are going to come to their homes and they're going to knock on their doors and they're going to come by their churches. And so what can churches do and families do at this time of the year? I think, too, we must remember that most people that knock on your door, and we don't get that many knocking on our doors as back, you know, 30 years ago when we were younger, I think, but, but um, I think what you do is most of the kids that come have no clue of all the things we've been talking about for the last, you know, 20 minutes. So, you know, they come and they're just having fun as little kids doing something. So I think, you know, if we can give them uh, a chance, maybe say hello to them, let, be neighborly with them, and they know that we're and then talk to them, and they know that we're Christian. In some way, we might have a candle um, with the, you know, the, uh, the cross. Cut on the side of the pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin, or you hand out something. But, you know, I think it's important not just give them a track, but give them something like, oh, you know, some candy or something that, that's there. And, and they know that, that you um, appreciate them. And if they don't have a, you know, violent costume, or if they do, ask them, why did you dress that way? Or something like you ask them a couple of questions. And then uh, maybe, you know, share a little bit with them about, um, you know, what you, what you feel about something. But do it in a way that is not going to um, oh, uh, turn them away from you and, and make it so that you're unable to have any good, effective Christian communication with them later. Mm -hmm. I think another thing we need to remember, and, and this is something that puzzled Bob and me when our kids were young, we tell them all the time, don't talk to strangers and don't fill your mouth with sugar. And then one day a year we say, Talk to everybody you can and stuff your mouth with the candy that they give you. <laughs> and so, so, so actually, door-to-door trick-or-treating is not among my favorite um, allowances for something that a Christian could do uh, with his or her children for Halloween. But um, what you can do is you can have a neighborhood party and invite the children you know, to the party. I was doing a radio show in Detroit yesterday, and a man called in and said that um, as a Christian, he didn't want to compromise his faith or the faith of his family. Um, but he remembered when he was a kid and he celebrated Halloween, what he really enjoyed was getting to stay out after dark, running through the fall leaves, and getting prizes. And so he set up in his own, his own backyard a little maze with different little um, obstacle courses and physical challenges 
for his kids to do, and as they completed each portion of the game, they got a little candy prize. Mm -hmm. And that way they were able to stay out at night, they had fun, they could run through the dark, they could, you know, get their little prizes, but there was nothing occultic and nothing dangerous involved. A lot of churches put on harvest festivals or other kinds of alternative celebrations that are that are perfectly acceptable, too. You know, sometimes even uh, non-Christians may dress up, not because they want to be violent or evil, but they want to see if their neighbors can recognize them. I remember when I was uh, you know, a very young kid, you know, five or eight years ago, uh, they, when, if, uh, this is a long time ago, actually, what happens is that you dress up as a hobo or something that, you know, and, and then you go to your neighbor that knew you and you say, do you know who I am? And it wasn't to, you know, to throw eggs at them or anything, just, it was kind of a, a costume party in that sense. Uh, and that was a long, long time ago that, so there was even some even different motivation for well, some kids. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home either. And now creativity, imagination, and role-playing are part of how we're created, how we express being created in the image and likeness of God. And that should be encouraged among children, but in a way that doesn't compromise our Christian faith and that gives them godly role models to model after and uses their imagination in a way that brings glory to the Lord. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend to uh, some churches who would like to be an influence in the community on Halloween? And do uh, you have any suggestions around that? Well, they do have a Harvest Day Festival in some churches. Yeah, uh, it would be an alternative celebration where either the kids don't come dressed up or they can come dressed up, but not in the occultically-themed costumes or anything bad like that. Sometimes they, um, come, they dress as farmers or... Or farm animals or something. Yeah, do you you remember, Bob, when our oldest daughter, who's now graduating from college, when she was five years old and she won the best costume at our church's Reformation party and she came dressed as an angel? Remember that? Right. That old white sheet? (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the most creative uh, ideas I've heard of um, started with a church in Texas. I think there are many churches doing it now. I've been telling this story for years on the radio across the country. And that is their teenage youth group get together on Halloween, they come dressed in inoffensive costumes, they have a lot of games and contests with, you know, food and refreshments and candy and all that, lots of fun. All the games are oriented toward each team building a basket for the needy. It includes food, bus coupons, um, uh, you know, some clothing, uh, different kinds of things like that that a family in need would have. And at the end of the party... Each team takes the food basket that they've prepared, the, the basket for the needy, and they go to a family already identified by the congregation as being in need. They put the basket on the door, and it includes a tract and an invitation to church. They ring the doorbell, they yell, trick or treat, and then they run away. <laughs> I think that's a great way for the young people to have a good time, enjoy the party atmosphere, but do something that is really, truly pleasing to the Lord. And also, the running away doesn't mean that they're ashamed. But then also the person doesn't have to feel that they feel embarrassed embarrassed about getting something from somebody. Mm-hmm. Are you guys planning on writing a book on a lot of this stuff you're sharing? It's a real need for that. And uh, oh, Pastor Jerry, you, I, I think you brought this up last time we were on your show talking about. I've been this. waiting. I've been waiting it, for the longest for a book it. on this subject with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me uh, ask you this uh, in relationship to Halloween. Um, is uh, Halloween a special day to uh, Satanists as well as uh, witches? Yes, it is, because most Satanists um, practice rituals that would offend Christians, and practicing a ritual anti-Christianity 
on a day that's celebrated by Christians as All Saints Day would be entirely appropriate. It's not for usually yeah for for the uh, for the Satanists. Uh, Satanists characterize themselves as being completely anti-Christian. They misunderstand Christianity and think that it's a religion of weakness, a religion of people who are self-sacrificing rather than self-gratifying. And since Satanists worship themselves and are into self-indulgence, self-gratification, and self-empowerment, um, they're totally against Christianity. For most Satanists, the most holy, or I think we should say the most unholy day for them, is actually their own birthday. What could be a more important to a Satanist who worships himself than his own birthday? Now, the term Satanist is a very uh, um, loose term also because there are many different kinds of Satanists. There's, you know, people have their little groups and they're public Satanists and private Satanists and so forth. But a lot of these little group people in, uh, in high schools and so forth, they make up their own little rules sometimes. And they could be dangerous and they could be uh, um, uh, more, we should look more towards what they're doing sometimes if anybody's dangerous to be these, uh, these personal um, private Satanists. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. But they're not, but it's not well organized. You know, in other words, and there are not a great many of them either. Most Satanists don't believe in the supernatural at all. They don't believe that God exists, much less that there's some sort of a personal devil who exists. But they call themselves Satanists because they are so anti-Christianity. At this time of year, you may have teenage Satanists who will um, glory in their anti-Christian attitudes by maybe torturing small animals in the neighborhood or by desecrating graveyards in a cemetery or by spray-painting graffiti on a church or something like that. It's destructive, it's criminal, it's evil. Um, but the incidences of extreme criminal activity associated with Satanists and Halloween is very, very, very slight. I know sometimes Christians are so worried that their kids are going to get kidnapped or their daughters are going to get raped or something like that in the name of Satan on Halloween that they fail to prepare for much greater, much more probable dangers, such as your teenage daughter going to a party and then getting in a car with somebody who's been drinking and getting in a car accident, or your little kid um, going down the street in his costume and not looking when he crosses the street and getting hit by a car. Those dangers are much more prevalent and much more likely to happen to your kids than that they will be attacked by some criminal Satanist. Now, we actually have written a book on Satanism uh, published by um, Zondervan. Zondervan. Where we go into the different uh, you know, factions of this. We'll be back with more Contending for the Faith after these messages. And now we return to a previously recorded program of Contending for the Faith. We are... Uh Talking with Bob and Gretchen Passantino. Uh, they are the directors of Answers and Action in Southern California. We're talking about the subject matter of Halloween, the pros and cons around Halloween, and we want to invite you to call in tonight if you have any questions and or you need some answers around this subject. I tell you, this is something that uh, not only adults are dealing with, but especially young people and children. And so this is a time for you to call in and get some answers. Brother Sean. Well, it's time for us to go to a commercial break. We do want to remind you that this is a live phone-in talk show, and we do want to hear from you. Our toll-free number is one eight 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 four kfax That's one 888-367-5329. And we'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith right after this. 
Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your Bay Area pastor, counselor, lecturer, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Sean Hayes, and we do want to hear from you. Your opinions and feelings are important to us, so please give us a call. Our toll-free number is one 888 5329 Many of you no doubt have been listening to Contending for the Faith for a long time and you wonder how you can be a part of what God is doing through this ministry. Well, we've got good news for you. We at Contending for the Faith are looking for someone like you to partner with us in this vital ministry. We need your help by way of financial contributions or donations of much needed items such as tape duplicators. But by far the most important thing you can do for us is pray. This ministry is prayer driven and we covered your prayers as well as any note of encouragement you might want to send our way. So listen to the end of the broadcast and be a part of what God is doing here at Contending for the Faith. I want to also remind you, if you haven't already, to uh, subscribe to the Christian Research Journal. Dr. Buckner has an article coming out in the December issue that we're proud of, where he's going to be informing us on T.D. Jakes, the man, his message, and his views on um, modalism and his denial of the Trinity. Uh, so pick up the Christian Research Journal or go to your local bookstore and, and get a copy of uh, the December issue. Thank you, Sean, for sharing that. I'm looking forward to that article, and uh, I'm just uh, trailing Bob and Gretchen Passantino because I know that they continue to do a lot of great work for the Christian Research Journal, and we are just delighted to have uh, them on with us on Contending for the Faith. We're talking about Halloween tonight, the pros and cons around it, and uh, Bob and Gretchen, I want to get back to something we were talking about before the commercial break, and that was uh, you're mentioning about uh, being concerned about uh, uh, children and teenagers. And I just want to ask you a question around this. Uh, how much uh, abduction is going on around this time of the year? And do you hear of any things as, as such as uh, human sacrifices today? Uh, occasionally people will kill other people in a very evil criminal act that may or may not have some association with ritualism, whether it be Roman Catholic ritualism, Baptist ritualism, um, Afro-Caribbean ritualism, or Satanist or witchcraft ritualism. But that is by far the exception. And in fact, the incidences of violent crime on Halloween are not statistically significant any more so than at any other time. That doesn't mean that there aren't some very evil people who do some evil things and sometimes take advantage of the opportunity that a holiday like this might provide with little kids you know, outside in the dark or with teenagers in vulnerable situations. But statistically, it's not any more significant than any other time period. I think also we must remember that every day of the year could be some pagan holiday that someone could make an excuse about. In other words, um, there's always some day that they could find some pagan god or something they want to do something on. So this just gives people opportunity to um, uh, do what's in their heart anyway a lot of times. But I don't think we need to worry about this day any more than any other day in, the, in one sense. That there's no supernaturalists that we have to worry about Christ, as Christians that we have to be afraid of because Jesus Christ died on the cross and defeated all the powers of the devil when he did that. And that's found in Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 15. Mm -hmm. Since we are talking about also Satanism, 
Uh, I know that uh, two of you, I believe the two of you, had a chance to uh, interview Anton Zander LeVay. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, actually, we had a number of conversations with him and spent quite a bit of time with him before he died. And um, he was the founder of the Church of Satan. He was the one who popularized contemporary Satanism. Now, it might interest your listeners to know that he did not believe that an actual spiritual individual with power named Satan existed. In fact, he didn't believe in the supernatural at all. He was more of a Nietzschean nihilist than anything else. That's kind of a philosophical term. Um, he believed that there was no ultimate significance to life at all, that this life that you live is all that there is, and that, in fact, whatever benefits you should be your highest standard. So he was into self-worship, self-gratification, and self-indulgence. And he believed that anybody who... Um listen to anybody or, or part of the establishment was a weak individual. So if you went to church, you were weak, and you had to be an individual and not go to, you know, belong to any group that was like, had a leader. So I asked him, I said, well, if anybody joins your group or if anybody decides to become Satanist, then you become the weak group, right? He didn't have an answer to that because, uh, in other words, anybody who's established that truth becomes, uh, then you, be, you have to rebel against that according to his view. So he's very, very much an anti-authoritarian Type person, but he also did a lot of work not to uh, to um, uh, in the uh, his area in San Francisco uh, for people who did things that were against the law. He worked with law law um, enforcement to uh, try to try to track down some criminals who were doing things in a satanically ritualistic way. Uh, and so, you know, of course, what he says is not true and anti-Bible and things that he said. But uh, you know, he, he himself, I don't believe, was a criminal. Uh, person at all uh, that I as, as a matter of fact one time we were talking with him and this was when MTV was fairly new on uh, cable channels and he said oh I think MTV has so much trashy music on it he said if I had kids today I wouldn't let them watch it <laughs> I think it's demeaning to women I think it's uh, you know self-destructive I think it's it's you know valueless I wouldn't let my kids watch MTV right. now, that, now it's not to commend him but it's to say that um, even those people that you think of as the most evil people in existence are real human beings. They're limited, finite, fallen, sinful human beings. And it was, it's kind of funny in a sense because at that time, of course, a lot of these groups do have bad lyrics and things like that. And he probably would agree with some of the lyrics, but he didn't like the kind of music mm -hmm. that they played. So we're not saying that. We're not trying to make you know say that this guy's a good guy. It's just a moral law because now... Uh, he knows what the truth is, and it's unfortunate that he didn't become a Christian. But he was very sad uh, when we saw him. Um, he was very sad because he had friends that were dying, and, they, and he believed he did not believe in life after death or anything else. He just believed when you die, it's the end. And he said, "I wish I could believe in a God that had, uh, you know, that there really was a God and all." And we, you know, we talked to him quite a bit. But uh, there are people who just um, live their lives, and they, like secular humanists, the same way. They live their life, and they don't care about truth in the sense of they believe this is all there is, and that's all it is, and they're going to get what they can out of life. But I really thank the Lord that we had the opportunity to talk with him um, at length and, and numerous times because we were not afraid of him. We had the confidence of the Lord. We knew what the truth was. The truth is in God's Word and in his Son, Jesus Christ. And we were able to talk to him without fear and with confidence, knowing that God would use our words in holding him accountable. 
I think that um, uh, a lot of the work that we do through our organization, Answers in Action, is directly confronting the forces of darkness, whether it's an actual occultism like Satanism and witchcraft and you know, fortune-telling and seances and things like that, or with much more insidious anti-Christian things, such as secular humanism or, or uh, um, credulous uh, skepticism. We, we take a group of people with us every month to our local Orange County, Southern California, skeptics meeting, and frequently the Christians at the meeting outnumber the skeptics. But over the last few years that we've been going, we've had numerous opportunities to share the gospel, to defend the faith, to give good, sound arguments for the existence of God, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and for salvation in his name. Well, you me just one last story about um, Andrew LaVey. He One time a Christian wrote to him, and he says, Oh, I'll become a Christian, he, and he writes back that... Yeah, the Christian wrote him some gospel tract or something like that. So. so he says, Okay, I'm saved now, I became a Christian. He writes him back and signs it or something. And then he mocks what he was he, he, he said, I became a Christian. I started in my own church. Send me an offering to support my church. So oh there my. are these rumors out there that, you know, that maybe he even got going where he uh, says something like that just to mock the Christian faith. So he's, yeah. not, he's not a good guy in that sense. But, but we did communicate with his uh, wife, Blanche Barton, his uh, common-law wife, um, after his death. And to the best of our knowledge, he never did uh, become a Christian. Mm-hmm. He was a thoroughgoing materialist right to the very end. My, my, my. You know, we're getting ready to come to another commercial break, and we do have some callers starting to call in, and we're going to get to some of those callers. But uh, when we come back from the commercial break, I want to ask you uh, one more question and uh, in relationship to what is the thing that attracts so many people to Satanism and witchcraft and even when you think about the Columbine shootings, you know, it's interesting that some of those young people that did the killings were involved with Marilyn Manson and so there is a large surgence of young people being attracted to Satanism and the occult and we're going to have you to address that when we come back from the commercial break and also we're going to get to some of the callers. So for those those who have just joined us, we are talking with uh, Bob and Gretchen Passantinos. We are talking with them about the Halloween and uh, pros and cons around that, Satanism, and many other topics. And so we want to encourage you to call in so we can address some of your concerns. Brother Sean. Well, this is a live phone and talk show. We do want to hear from you. Take the opportunity to call us now. The number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. That's one eight 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 three six seven five three two nine. And we'll be right back for more of Continue for the Faith right after this. Well, we're back with Continue for the Faith with your Bay Area pastor, counselor, lecturer, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Sean Hayes, and we do want to hear from you. The phone lines are open, and your opinions and feelings are important to us. So please give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-FORKFAX. That's 1-888-367-5329. 
Brother Sean, we're just having a dynamic time here tonight uh, with Bob and Gretchen Passantino talking about Halloween, Satanism, and many other things. And before the commercial break, Bob and Gretchen and I had uh, said I was going to ask you a question about uh, what are the attractions to Satanism and why are there so many young people attracted to the occult and so forth. And maybe you can give us just a brief answer on that and then we'll get to a call, the callers. Let me give a really quick answer. I think that our school system, our, our, in our society today, we've lost an absolute moral base. And I think a lot of times kids have nowhere to go to know what's right and wrong because anything can be true. What you do and what you do and what you feel good is okay. And we don't have in our school system any, any base of morality anymore. So really... Or in our wider, wider culture. Or in our wider culture. So uh, we can see it in you know, uh, some of our politicians, what they do. Everything goes. And so, really, there's no respect for humans anymore and for persons. And so, Satanism and other forms of destructive occultism, which focus on self-power, self-indulgence, and self-gratification, really appeals to people who have no respect for other people and who have no sense of right and wrong. Uh, they think, you know, why should I do what my parents say? I want to do what makes me feel good. Why should I listen to my teachers? I want to do what makes me feel good. Why should I care about anybody else? I should only care about myself. And that's exactly the kind of attitude that contemporary Satanism appeals to. Mm-hmm. Very good answer. I really appreciate you guys' response to that. And, Sean, let's get to the callers. Okay, we're going to go to our first caller. We're going to go to Ken. Welcome to Contending for the Faith. Hi. How are you doing this evening? Oh, pretty good. Listening to the program. Very interesting. All right. How can we help you? Uh, okay. I was uh, joining the program as I was driving my wife to work and back, and I just got home, and I'm in front of my computer, <laughs> and I was listening to the program, and, uh, like, my wife, look, I, I commented to her the other day, well, you know, there's some churches, what they're doing is they're having these costume, par uh, you know, things, and the children are dressing as Moses, Mary, and all that. And I told her, well, what do you think of that, you know? And she says, well, that's fine and dandy, but the problem is they're, they're doing it, they're celebrating it on the day, exact day that the Satanists are celebrating their, you know, thing. And they're celebrating evil. I mean, they can do, they can do it any other day. They don't necessarily have to do it on the 31st, which is the day that they're doing their thing, you know, their thing. Well, let's give uh, Bob and Gretchen an opportunity to respond to that. Uh, Bob one, or Gretchen? One quick response is that the, the, the days of the week and the, and the universe belong to the Lord our God. And so if we do something on that day to glorify God, Satanists can't say, well, we're going to do something every day, so then therefore we can never do anything that glorifies the Lord, if you want to look at that, that kind of approach. Yeah, so, so to say that we can't have a positive Christian celebration on a day when Satanists are having a negative anti-Christian celebration just doesn't really make sense, although at first glance it, it seems to make sense. And also it's important to note that um, Christians celebrate All Saints Day, or if they're, you're not Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, Reformation Day in addition to All Saints Day. And when those celebrations began, they were instituted on, on October 31st and November 1st specifically to counter what the pagans were doing. So instead of compromising with the pagans, it was directly challenging and confronting 
the beliefs of the pagans. And that, I think, is certainly a good thing for us to do. That's so true. And, you know, she also needs to recognize that the Lord has uh, called us uh, not uh, from the world, not in the sense of doing the same thing that the world is doing. He's called us to be in the world to make a difference and to not be of the world. And so he's called us to be in the world as a light and salt. And if we're going to make a difference, we need to be out there making a difference in the world and to influence the culture and not let the culture influence. So, um, you know, I think you should share some of these things that uh, Bob and Gretchen share with you as long along with uh, some of the things I've said. And and hopefully she will, um, you know, be open to hear what uh, has been said tonight. Any other uh, questions or reflections? Um, no. And, uh, you know, and another thing I wanted to mention, too, is that uh, like she doesn't realize, too, that just like they can go door to door uh, twisting the scriptures. We can go door to door teaching the scriptures correctly. That's right. In fact, so we're you know, um, the same exact thing right there. You know, our, our our godson is visiting us tonight, and he's six years old. And he was telling his mother that tomorrow, when children knock at the door trick or treating, he wants to be able to give them little tiny New Testaments because he said on Reformation Day, one of the things that Martin Luther wanted was to have the Bible in a language that everybody could understand instead of, uh, until that time, it was in Latin, and most people couldn't understand the Latin, so they had to have the priest explain it to them. So he said, don't you think it would be good, Mom, if we can give kids New Testaments with their candy so they know that it's Reformation <laughs> Day? All right, that's cute. Okay, Ken, well, we really appreciate your call, and God bless you, and uh, give us a call back and let us know how everything turns out. Okay. All right. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, Sean, let's go to the next caller. Good Marianne. Welcome to Continue for the Faith, Marianne. I think what struck me about Halloween most of all is how the adults have taken it over. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think people realize that they don't feel safe taking their kids even around their own neighborhood. They almost have to take them to different. It could be a church party or a school party or something. You know, and I think people aren't as quick to hand out candy. They'd rather give kids maybe something that, that's more nutritious and, and healthy. Um, it, it's just, I think people who won't even open the Bible realize that Halloween can't just be like it always was. It's not the safety, do you know what I mean? And, and I think it's good that people are starting to admit that something isn't quite right here, even if they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, do you have a specific question uh, around what but you're saying? I guess I'm just... I'm what is your basic concern? I guess it's hard to describe because on Halloween I just I just keep my lights off. I, I don't, I'm afraid to open the door because I don't know the people that are trick-or-treating like I used to. Okay, well, let's let uh, Bob and Gretchen respond to that because our time is almost out. I think what she's referring to is maybe the cultural changes that are going on in our country. We don't know our neighbors anymore. We don't know what they believe or what they're doing. We have very little idea of all the different things that are happening. And I think a lot of people do uh, uh, have a fear. I think that as Christians, we need to remember that Christ has put us in this world to share the gospel and to be lights in the world. And we ought to get to know our neighbors and our neighbors' children. We should go knock on the door and share a plate of cookies or or invite them over for, you know, for, for an evening or something like that. We need to get to know our neighbors, and we need to be um, people that they can turn to when they have times of need, saying, I know so-and-so, she's my neighbor, and she's a Christian. Maybe she can help me with my problem. 
Mm-hmm. Very true. And also, you know, the scriptures uh, tells us that uh, God has not uh, given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of sound mind. And, you know, it also commands us in First Peter 3 and 15 to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you. So these people are really seeking, uh, you know, answers in this day and age. And God has not called us to be an ostrich and stick our heads in the sand and think everything is going to go away. But he's uh, commanded us to give answers and responses to a lost world. So we just want to challenge you, uh, Marianne, to uh, turn on the lights and and turn on the light of the world. Not just the lights in your house, but the light of the world and who is Jesus Christ. And remember 1 John 4 and 4, it, the Bible teaches that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Are you still there, Mary? Yes, I, I think the frightening part is both of them, they're, they're teenagers. And they come like in groups sometimes, about nine or ten o'clock at night. That's why I don't open the door either. You know, oh, I wouldn't either. Safety is very important, but maybe you know during a week or get to know some of your neighbors around in case something ever does happen. You can call on your neighbors for help also. So that's another good reason to know your neighbors. Yeah, we don't have a lot of kids like we used to. We really don't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very very few. And other people are telling me the same thing. They don't see a lot of kids they, they buy a lot of candy but they see very few kids now coming from house to house like they used to and it doesn't usually last as long as in, in the older days and so yes you know you always want to make sure that you're not putting yourself in danger that's that's very important that's right marianne let me ask you this quickly are you involved with a church sometimes it's been i've been to different churches i guess i've had a hard time getting settled i think that's the real thing you know well, well yes or no are you involved with the church yes or no not Okay, well, that's a lot of your problem right there, because what you could do if you were involved with a church, you could uh, get some other believers to come over your uh, home, and you can pray together and be a witness together. See, uh, God has not uh, called us to be long rangers. Even the long ranger had Tato, and the scriptures tells us in Hebrews 10 and and 25 uh, not to forsake the siblings of ourselves together. So we want to challenge you to get connected with a body of Christ. And, but uh, fortunately, our time is just about out. And Bob and Gretchen Passantino, it's just been a blessing uh, having you on Contending for the Faith, and we're looking forward to having you on again with us. And it's always a blessing to have you. And I'm looking forward to doing a program on uh, church history together, and I'll be talking with you. And Brother Jerry, it's always a pleasure to be with you. We love you in the Lord, and we know the Lord will continue to bless your ministry. Well, the feelings are mutual, and God just continue to bless the two of you and uh, kiss those children for me and uh, (laughs) God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.